So, hello and welcome to Silentcast Extra with myself, Ollie and Glyn. Hi, Glyn, how are you doing? All right, yeah, we're back talking quite quickly, aren't we, Ollie? I have to say, Glyn, I've spoken to you more in the last 24 hours than I have my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have as well, yeah. but I've got no excuse because you've been away. I I've been, been at away. home, but so, um, <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, so obviously everyone will know um, why we're doing this podcast. Um, the news that John Askey has left the football club, um, mm. the club made the decision today. Um, so as... Not really tradition. Um, it's only happened once before um, with a manager being sacked in the middle of the season. Um, yeah. We're going to cover, um, yeah, we're going to kind of share our thoughts on John Askey. Um, we've kind of collected lots of, everyone's been so kind to kind of answer our questions and share some thoughts with us. So we'll share those. And yeah, we'll yeah. run through kind of a bit of Askey's reign, um, some questions from fans, their thoughts. And yeah, but we'll start, won't we, with, um, with a bit of a timeline of today. So I've been, I was up super early driving to London. Yeah. And I was in a meeting when I saw my phone just started going a bit mad. Um, so, yeah, so for those who, who like me, um, have a full-time job. Um, work, <laughs> um, I have a full-time job as well, Ollie. I know, you're but, just very yeah, good at... Bit... You're very good at managing... managing. You've got very... You've got, let's call them ninja skills at managing what's exactly. going on. So, for those exactly. who um, who those who, um, who are not aware, so what was the kind of timeline of today? So, obviously, we, we finished yeah. the game on Sunday, didn't we? Um, we lost... We drew... Lost? It felt like a loss. We drew with Salford. Um, and then we did the podcast, and then here we are again. Yeah, so we got the podcast out, didn't we? Eventually, about sort of I don't know half eleven last night. Was it was quite a late one, really? By the time we finished, to get sort of messing around trying to come up with a title for that podcast. So yeah, everyone sort of went went to bed on on the on the Sunday night um, with the game up in bed on the Sunday as well, and we sort of everyone's got a trudged into work, and, and we we had a lot of listens to the podcast. We should just say that actually to last last night's podcast. Thanks for everyone to listen yesterday. I know we've got another one back to back, but um, it went great guns yesterday, and so came into work at nine o'clock, and you know I think there was probably a little bit of a vibe wasn't there for fans thinking that today something might happen if it was going to happen after that result um, especially with the reaction at the end of the game that we discussed last night um, so yeah 9 o'clock I think really I sort of was looking on social media it was just people talking about the reaction and you know there's no no real inkling then and it was about 12 o'clock I think Lewis Cox then said he was going in to do his pre-match for Crew. Um, obviously we're playing tomorrow night against Crew in the Checker Trade and I did wonder then and I sent Lewis a message on Twitter saying you know do, do, you know, are you going to get to ask Askey some questions no response and then a little bit later on he said he'd talk to Ryan Sears um, obviously one of the less experienced professionals but there was nothing about whether he talked to Askey so you know I thought that was quite interesting at that point in time and then it got to 13.32 in the day I went back and looked at Twitter and I had a first few rumbles on sort of my sort of direct messages on Twitter and a couple of people on Facebook as well who seem to always have the have the, have the ear of what's going on saying it's a done deal he's gone it should be announced in the next half an hour or so so I kind of put out that there were some strong rumours going around um, so I thought that was fair to share that with everybody else and then it wasn't that long later I think it was 20 minutes um, 13.52 Lewis Cox came on and confirmed there were some very strong rumours and then that basically sent everybody on social media into a bit of an overdrive Ollie it was um, it started to get quite interesting then <laughs> and then it was only 8 minutes later and the club confirmed at 2 o'clock that John Askey had left the club via a press statement and that others would be leaving as well so we'll, we'll come to the, more, the details of, of that in a minute and then yeah 3 o'clock Brian made a statement which we'll go over in a second and then half 3 the bookies markets opened on the new manager and Gary Bowie was um initially installed as favourite and then he's had his betting suspended so yeah that was quite interesting and the rest of the day it's just been loads of people talking hasn't it so yeah it's been it's been an interesting day you know kicked off at lunchtime and um 
I, you know, it's it's you know, manager moving on. It's quite sad for him as a person, but as a fan, it's it's always an interesting day, isn't it? It's always a a, a sort of rebirth, and and you can kind of park all that negative stuff we were talking about last night, and maybe maybe try and look to the positives. I suppose. Yeah, before we do that, we probably should look at his reign. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but we yes, should. I agree. It's I think for us as well, um, this podcast will be a bit of a close, won't it? On um, John yeah, Aspie, yeah. Um, and then yeah, we'll obviously be looking forward to the next pod we'll do on Sunday. We'll be you know we've played a couple of games by then um, mm, under. Yeah under Danny Coyne so that'll be interesting to see how that goes hopefully Danny can get a few wins because I think he deserves it well after the last run he kind of does yeah, doesn't he that he four does. games where he lost it'd be nice for him to get one win and I think the checker trade game at Crew is an imminent, eminently winnable game for us isn't it so it'd be nice to, for him to get that particular monkey off his back I think yeah definitely so um, in terms of just kind of from some overall stats so as I was saying the pod last night um, played 21 um, and we'd only won five in, the, in that period. We lost eight. We drew a lot of games, didn't we? Um, we did draw yeah. eight. Um, so there was a lot of draws. Um, we, we scored 25 um, and conceded 24. So, yeah, defence wasn't too bad, but it was always that scoring those goals, wasn't it? Was a, was a real issue that we had. It was. I, I, try, I did sort of the updated, uh, anyone that follows Blue and Amber Fanzine on Twitter, I did the updated look at after 17 games where we are with scoring goals and conceding goals against all those other League One seasons back to when we first came, in up, came up under GT. And interestingly, we're still you know lagging well behind on goals scored. It really is the key thing you know when you look at the measure of how those other seasons were. But in, in fairness, for, for conceding goals, um, only two seasons um, in League One have been better after 17 games in the league. So there, you know, there is maybe a little bit more credit due to the defence and, and the shield that Grant provides than maybe we've been given them when you look at it in that context. But um, at the end of the day, you know, they've only been conceding a few goals, but it's, it's been enough because we just haven't been scoring enough. And I think that is a very, you know, if you're going to blame one end of the pitch for the, for the problems that we've had, it certainly is the, the putting it in the back of the onion bag, isn't it? And you've done some stats in terms of kind of like, you know, just comparing um, John, uh, John Askey to his, you know, his, our recent managers. How does he fare? Yeah. Yeah, so I took it. I took it back as far as uh, Kevin Ratcliffe. I think is the, is the as far back as I went really, and I could have gone back and looked at King and and Davis, but I think you know we're getting back into the last fair, the other century. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is all this is all sort of in the in the two thousands onwards, really. When you think about Ratcliffe, started in November ninety nine, didn't he? So we're talking about the two thousands onwards, and, and I went and just looked at everybody's just every game that was played under a, under a manager that was competitive and what their win percentage was, just as, as a comparison, really. And and Askey does come very very poor poor down it. So obviously Paul Hurst um, sits right at the top of that table. He, he left the club with a forty-eight point five percent win percentage, which is which is fantastic. Just shade in Mickey Mellon with forty-two percent, um, and then just below him was Jimmy Quinn. Obviously won a lot of games in the conference, didn't he, Ollie? Which is which is fair enough. Um, he's at forty percent. Then Graham Turner's second reign was thirty-nine point four percent. Paul Simpson then thirty-four point eight. Gary Peters thirty-four point four. So very tight there between Peters and Simpson. And then Kevin Ratcliffe at thirty-one percent, and everyone remembers that run at the end of that season that was just diabolical. That would have would have took his win percentage right down. But I have to say, there's a big gap then between Kevin Ratcliffe and John Askey. John Askey it goes from thirty-one percent of Kevin Ratcliffe to a win percentage under John Askey of only twenty-three point eight percent. You know, and compared to Paul Hurst, it's 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 miraculously bad. But the only other person that had a worse win percentage in that time period, whether you consider him to be a permanent manager or or a, or a caretaker manager, I think I class him as permanent. He, he had it long enough. Was Mike Jackson, and he had a terrible record. He had only won fifteen point eight percent of his games. So in terms of in terms of managerial records, um, when you're looking at what you want as a fan, you want to see win games, don't you? You know you can't say anything other than that John Askey had a very very poor win record. 
yeah, pouring record, and and it was the um, yeah the performances um, that were also falling away, which were there were yeah. there at the start yeah. of the season, um, and yeah, it, it was the record in the end um, that kind of that did him. But I think I think it would be. No, we're not saying it was just the results, was it? It was a, it was a, no, a quite no. a, a few, well, a few, quite a list of things that um, were causing concerns among um, the fans, and there was numerous points discussed on a message board and social media, um, which. Yeah, I think I think we've covered it on the yeah. recent podcast. It's difficult to to labour that point again because if anyone listened to the podcast last night, we don't want to really no. repeat too many things. And I think it's pretty clear where we think a lot of the faults lied under him. But you know, there is the on the pitch stuff. There's the tactical stuff. There was the the, the demeanour of which he came across. Which I know there's a lot of debate around the fan base as why people place so much evidence on that. But we can't pretend it isn't a thing. There yeah. is there is a, there is a lot of fans that have found that difficult to get on with. Um, and when we come to that and some of the reactions that you've got, so yeah, you're right. A list is is a fair thing. And, and yeah, we're kind of coming on to the next bit already, aren't we? Yeah. A little bit before we can. But it's, it's interesting. One of the things I did look back on is that it was. It, you think back to when he joined, and, and we we had preseason. We only lost one game of the f- of, of sort of five games, six games that we had in preseason. I can't remember what it was now. Which looking back, we we I think we won only one less game in. Sorry, I think we won four games in preseason, and we we won five games in the in the rest of the season. So looking back at preseason, it was it, it looked quite positive, didn't it? You know, we were trying to be positive then, and thinking there's a team coming together here. We had some reasonably creditable results. But yeah, just I don't know. I don't think we would have. It's a question for you then. I don't. I know. I'm probably going to have already given the game away now. But when we had John Askey come in and you saw those preseason games, you started to see the results. We we couldn't have thought it was going to be as bad as it was, could we? No, and even the performances into the start of the season. Um, yeah, some, true. Obviously, his background, the Macclesfield um, results, you know, getting him, getting them mm, promoted yeah. with such a small budget. You know, we thought that. You know, obviously, he was a different man to Hurst. But yeah, we went into the season. You know, not, I wouldn't say we were overly, overly optimistic, yeah. but we were. Yeah, we were certainly weren't expecting them to have only won five games um, at this point of the season. Um, and we went in with quite a bit of confidence. And I remember you were on holiday, Glenn, and I was watching the first few games, yeah. and I was yeah. quite positive about it, about where we were, um, even though the results weren't quite coming through. Yeah, I think I watched the Doncaster game on the iFollow yeah. from Austria, um, and you know, I think we drew that game, didn't we? But it, they they looked solid enough. They looked like you know competing away from home against a, a decent Doncaster team, and um, you know there was there was nothing really you know in those early games that you were too worried about. You were, you were worried about the gifts we were giving away, which we talked about, and and the mistakes that were costing us good results. But you you thought, oh, it's going to come right. It's going to come right. But slowly but surely, that faith has just been eroded away um, by the performances dropping off and the results staying not not quite as good. I know we, the results, when you look over the last few league games, we had actually been picking up a few more points. But it's a bit of an odd one that the performances seem to have been getting worse in, in some respects. So, you know, we've said all season, they were a very strange team to work out. And um, for me, the, the whole thing about consistency is, is where we're at. And, and I know that Brian's brought that up a lot, that it's just there was no consistency. So it's been an interesting time. But we should really reflect on some of the highs and lows of, of this period because... Because it is going to go down as, I think Busy put on Facebook today, I think I read that he put, it's definitely one of the strangest um, periods of managerial reign at, at Shrewsbury Town since he's known it. And it is, it's going to look back, you know, Askey was here 165 days, that's it. You know, he was the, I think he was the second, the, the fourth shortest reign for a manager at Shrewsbury Town in the history of the football club. So again, that's quite a unique situation really. Um, and so it's going to be looked back on quite a weird, weird period. But what, what for you, Ollie, got stood out as the, as the highlight of, of the John Askey era, if you will? Yeah, you mentioned it. For me, I was trying to think of which game um, kind of stood oh, out. Yeah. And I didn't go to Portsmouth, but those who went say that was their highlight. But I, was, I didn't watch it. It's difficult for me to say. For me, the Doncaster game was fantastic. Um, we played 
you know, really nice style of football. It was a great performance. Um, for me, we showed like all the kind of the promise and potential of the, the John Askey Shrewsbury team. Uh, yeah, and for yeah. me, that was also a great one because it was kind of like, yeah, Glenn, look, 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 listen. And I was quite, quite buzzing, wasn't I, to tell you, yeah, you, you know, like, Glenn, this, yeah. this is what I've been going on about, Glenn. And you, and you were positive as well about that game. Yeah. It was just kind of, you know, <laughs> fine margins and all that. If we just, uh, John, um, if um, the shop had taken those chances, then we mm, would, yeah. you know, how things could have changed. And, and there's a, quite a lot of those moments throughout his reign, you know, a few penalties here, a few odd decisions. Um, penalties given away of you know there's been a few odd things and but we just never got those wins going and we never got those back-to-back wins which the team confidence was craving with, with a bit of hindsight I think your your highlight is, is a similar one to mine it's not the same game but for me we look back at the Barnsley win you know beating a very very good team in this division of, of Barnsley 3-0 at home and and I think it's right there were there were a few games where we came on and did podcasts after and we said this has been good. I enjoy, enjoyed bits of that football. You know, it wasn't it wasn't all bad. There was there was things there for us to be positive about. And but this has got to be the platform. And you know, Doncaster was one of those games. Barnsley was definitely one of those games. That was the perfect platform to step into this terrible run. And you know, playing Oxford and Wimbledon and Rochdale, who were who were obviously not going to be good teams. And that had to be the platform then to string a couple of wins together to just prove the point. And you know, for me, that game was a highlight. I was sitting there that night and it was probably, for me, of all the games, I saw the most complete and competent result under Askey. I thought that we were solid all throughout and we showed the best we had in our in our different play, in our different players and the players that were playing that night in terms of the formation. It seemed to work quite well and, you know, no one really saw that coming, did they either? That was the most bizarre thing about it and um, it almost felt like they might have finally figured it out but, we're going to say the same thing at the end of your highlight as my highlight is it proved not to be the platform. He yeah. just he couldn't string those wins together and they ended up being a couple, you know, they ended up being four or five little false storms during this period, didn't they? Yeah, and that was a thing. It's just this, there's just that we were always lacking and we're just always keen to be looking for that that second win to kind of just kind of keep yeah. on and it just never exactly. happened. And obviously the Barnes in was followed by the Oxford result. And exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it just couldn't, obviously the, um, the Doncaster game was followed um, by the draw against Blackpool, and then and then the loss, then the defeat to um, sorry the sorry, no Luke, Luke, yes, yeah, sorry, Luke. go on do that again sorry. say the, the yeah. Doncaster result so the Luke. Doncaster result was followed by the, the defeat away at Luton which I went to yeah um, which was again frustrating the really funny goal by Angle which was quite a highlight but yeah it was just again making those errors and. And the, yeah, and for me, kind of almost Luton was the kind of maybe even kind of the the kind of the fall of the kind of the the, the momentum that we built in preseason. Mm. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So then, interesting. so that was your highlight. So, so who? What was your kind of lowest moment? Uh, well, we've been low the whole season. Just before I get on to my lowest moment, it's interesting when you look at what our league position's been under Raski as, as you've gone on by weeks. You know, it, it, we were twenty second, twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, twenty third, twenty second. 17th, 20th, 19th, 20th, 16th, which was after the, the win against Accrington. That was the highest we've been in the league. And then dropped down 17th, 18th, 18th, 19th, 18th. So there is a consistency about how low we've been down in the table. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, if you you talk about low moments, we'll come to a specific game. But for me, the low moment was that opening six games. That was, you know, I think it was the fourth worst start in the history of the football club. It was a terrible start to have only drawn two. Uh, sorry drawn three of the opening six games was just really poor wasn't it and we were really struggling to get points on the board in that period and, and in essence that kind of set the tone for, for everything else we came to see so for me that opening period was definitely the low moment of the season but in terms of games for me I can't I can't really split these two and, and it's funny because they're both draws but I, I really the Rovers draw at home to me stuck with me Ollie. um 1-1 I just thought we were awful that whole game I remember um, talking you know, to our half time <sighs> 
the goal was a was an own goal, wasn't it? And we, but other than that, we struggled to score. Bristol were dreadful. I think they, they might awful. still be the worst team I've seen play this season. And we just couldn't. They get their man sent off, and we still couldn't break them down. And we didn't really seem to go with it. So that one probably sticks with me as the worst one, even though it wasn't one of the losses. Um, but I think when I reflect a day later on on the Salford game as well, I think it's it's probably equal with that as well. I just think that the nature of, of the team we were playing that day, that the lack of drive and ambition to go for it, I think both of those those one one draws at home really stick with me as, as as just, you know, very, very poor and up where up there with some of the worst sort of performances I've seen under all the recent managers, I suppose. Yeah. Um for me, um it was Fleetwood away. You, as you know, mm. you know me, Glenn, I, I love my tactics and formations. And yeah, I really yeah. I really find that quite interesting. It's one of my interesting elements of the game. And for me, I think you just got it completely wrong against Fleetwood. Um, I don't know whether it was preparation or just a last-minute decision. Um, mm. And then, um, you know, he, I think he, Joey Barton out-tacticed him during the game. Um, I think yeah, he, he proved himself yeah. as a better manager from, as a tactician. We had Waterfall sit and the central defenders sitting really deep. And it just for me, just for me, there was a lack of um, leadership in tactics and formation. And also... I almost, almost lost a little bit of respect for him because John Lasky came in as a 4-3-3 man and I think he should have stuck to his guns and kind of stuck to that formation. Um, and then for me, that was a start of this chopping and changing. Um, he's become a bit of a tinker man. Yeah, and then he, yeah. he did become a bit of a tinker man and we never really knew where we were going and I think that must have had a massive impact on training because we were you know always changing. So for me, I think you know the the downfall there for me was um, was the yeah, the Fleetwood game was really poor and for me that was also a game that kind of saw a lot of people and um, get quite frustrated uh, mm. with where yeah, we were definitely. going. It's funny because I never went to Fleetwood away and I didn't go to Oxford away, but they seem to be two of the games that really turned people for for me when I, when I was sort of reading um, and seeing what people were saying about those games. And it seemed, I'd say, neither of us went to Oxford, did we? So I think no. maybe that would have made our list if we'd have been in it because to lose to Oxford 3-0 sounded like an absolute um, scandal, to be honest with you. So, yeah, that's that's sort of the rain, I guess, and, and that's our view. But it's been really interesting reading what everyone's had to say today because um, I, think, I think the general vibe, Ollie, is that this was probably the right move and it was the right time to do it. There's a bit of recriminations as to how and why it's happened, but I think the general vibe of the fan base was that this was probably for the best now after what happened on Sunday. But yeah, you've sort of been trawling through, getting some comments off people and and what people had to say, really. Yeah, it's been like being in the Matrix, trying to keep up with all the tweets. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for everyone. So I really apologise to people who... For the comments and tweets that um, we won't mention, because um, there's so many good ones, and um, yes, so, so yeah, so sorry for those guys who 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 don't get a mention. Um, so we'll, so in terms of like fan reaction, so um, Wayne Davis um, said that he was pleased the club had made the right decision um, to to move Askey on um, before the situation gets any worse. His low mm. moment for him was the result against Oxford, and the high would be uh, would be bringing in Grant and um, and, and beating Barnsley. But I think the bringing in yeah. Grant's a good point. He's been a good signer. Yeah, no, he's been he's been the standout, hasn't he? We talked about this last night. I mean, there's been a lot of people sort of questioning the players since the result against Salford as well. And you know, I think there's there's, there's an argument to say that maybe only five of the sort of players that have come in so far have really shone or, or done that well so far. And a lot of them have been a bit innocuous or anonymous, really. So, but Grant was probably the best signing he brought in for me. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, he's been a good signing. Um, Holly Holly Marsh has said that uh, I'm not going to lie, it's a bit, it's not a shock. Um, I mm. thought it was about a week or two overdue. We'd like to see him, yeah, basically, you'd like to see him go 
on for a week purely to see who else he could blame for the bad results. So I think she was quite keen to see what he was going to say. And she reckons that Lenny Lyons are in line for the next manager's appointment. It was funny. Someone someone on Twitter, one of our friends, I think it was, um, might have been the old groundsman, he was talking about the, the excuses from the managers, yeah, the lower league manager's that. book. And he'd gone through referees. He'd, he'd, he'd had a crack at the press. He'd blame the players. Uh, I think we had a crack at the weather. And the blame pitch. the weather up at Fleetwood. He's, he's had a go at the pitch. So I'm not sure what else he had left, really. So it, it, maybe Lenny would have been in the firing line. <laughs> Um, of course, and then um, 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 then Toronto Shrew um, said, I think it was the correct decision was made for him to go now before the season is beyond rescue. I do feel sorry for him, but also like feel like he never really clicked with the fans. The high point has yep, to be Bradford to win. Um, he's back he's back in the country, so he lives in Canada, obviously, as his name suggests, and managed to get to, get to it. Um, Oxford is a low point, and his, yeah, and so that, that was his kind of his view. Similar to what I said, yeah, sort of talking about the promise that was ruined afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then Becky Winfield um, um, has, a, has a great tweet. Um, she said, as a fan, the whole tenure of John was confusing. Some weeks we'd play some stunning stuff. Better football than we played under Paul Hurst, but then you'd have a week weekly formation personnel changes on the pitch, and that's what worried me. However, we are 18th in the league, um, and she's a bit concerned about like kind of like the bullying and the hounding he was get, um, and he doesn't give it a long time. So yeah, so there's a few interesting comments there. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things we was going to talk about later, but it's probably worth talking well, about now. We'll talk about it later when we get fine. And you got one last comment here, haven't you, yeah. from Martin Wall? For Martin Wall, yes, he said two wins in the last three games in the league. Um, though Oxford was shocking, but some football has been better at times than under Hurst. I disagree with the time of the sacking. Um, so basically, yeah, saying is why did he, why did Brian come out a few days ago and back him? And also the Very thought odd. he was on a three-year contract buffs him. So we'll come back to those points. But I think there, yeah, it's quite a lot of different um, connections. And I think a lot of people, um, and it's been quite consistent. Have seen, you know, you know, no one is no one's being nasty about Janaski. They're all saying that he seems like a nice chap, and they wish him all the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we maybe have been sort of, you know, in some respects, some people have seen us as cheerleaders for Asky out, and we. But I only, I only personally said I think we probably need to move on after Oxford, and that was only a couple of games ago. So it's not like, you know, I've been personally asking for him to leave the football club for months. I, I, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with everything we've been seeing this season, and I'm fairly clear and honest about that. I, I can only express my opinion about the football I'm watching. No, as I said last night, absolutely no agenda. But yeah, I think that even now, you know, it's fair for us to say that. Yeah, I'm sure he worked really hard. And he was a, a nice guy and, and it, it's it's a shame it hasn't worked out for him but I don't feel particularly bad about our football club sacking him because at the end of the day I would rather we put our football club first than than some manager and and it, it seems a bit crass doesn't it that you know and we're going to come back to Paul Hurst later but you know you had a manager that did the dirty on us and showed us no loyalty and I suppose that there's people saying well why as fans are we not showing loyalty to, to people but I think that the more that we got burnt as fans by something like Paul Hurst happening to us that maybe it's starting to change the nature of how we as fans view loyalty maybe that's a bit, bit too vague and, and I don't know but it is, it is interesting that it, it, this has happened so soon to the next manager and um, you know I think that in a few months time just take a step back and, and, and a big breath really and think about everything that's gone on but uh, it's still a bit raw because it's only a few hours ago that it happened but just something I was ruminating on earlier on I thought it was worth mentioning yeah I think I think and that's and that's why I, I, yeah, I was talking to Chris Hudson about how the ASCII case is so complex um, mm. It's not just down to results; it's down to a number of things that we've, we've we've constantly, you know, we've been going on about on the pod, and you know, we spent a lot of time kind of analysing performances and results. Um, yeah, and it's a very complex case, and yeah, there's a lot of different nuances in the discussion, and that's why the kind of the discussion about um, John Askey has been so 
well, like rich and so full and there's been so many different positions because yeah. it's been it has been quite confusing at times so that was just some reaction of the fans yep there was someone else had a say though today wasn't there yeah so brian um came out um with a with a fair statement a few pointers in there i'd say um but overall yeah. it was, it's a fairly calm um, interesting interview so what did he have to say so he said it hasn't worked out how everyone would have hoped inconsistently has been a concern and we've been viewing this situation over, over the last few weeks um, Wimbledon um, f- um, first half we were poor and Saturday wasn't good either um, we know the players can do it no doubt we have the players here he said last season we had a, had a major impact on the reaction from the crowd and I don't really no. I don't see that I haven't seen that from the fans I haven't seen the fans a couple of people have said you know we, you know, we should expect more after last season but the average fan I would say was thinking mid-table and I don't yep. think that is a reaction to last season I think most fans are you know have been quite conscious that we've had a huge turnover of players and and I think everyone is, you know, appreciative that what Paul Hurst did, but also what he did with such a fantastic bunch of players. And as you pointed out on quite a few podcasts ago, Glenn, you know, those players haven't really had a huge success. There's only a couple of them that are doing really well. Obviously, Dean Henderson um, probably doing the best. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's. I, I think I probably would agree with you on that. I mean, I don't think. It, it, I think it's funny what Mark Elliott always sort of says to us when he's been on the two end of season podcasts that he thinks that Shrewsbury fans have very, have always had very low expectations, doesn't he? And he, yeah. he can't quite understand. That. Paul Hurst said the, the same the, similar things as well. Yeah, he did, and you can't understand it when you look at what the club's got now in terms of training facilities, the money in the bank, the type of squads that we're starting to put together. Um, you know, why why should we have expectations? I don't I don't think that we should be scrapping around the bottom of League One anymore. But I don't think we should be pushing for the promotion places either. I think there's a, there's a happy medium that we're not far off. In all honesty, I, I'd lost faith that that that, that sort of um, ASCII would get us to where we needed to be. But I, you know, there's no reason to think that a new manager can't come in here and g things up, and we can be aiming for tenth to fourteenth. You know, what, why can't we have some expectations? for this season to be exciting or for something good to happen you know just because it happened once last season we're not I don't want to have to wait 30 years again for something good to happen so you know I, I do want fans at this football club to have some higher expectations and, and demand more of of what we're what we're watching really so yeah I, I don't think that just because we had a good season last year has meant that we were going to get on any managers back now uh, I said it last night on the podcast I think it was purely a reaction to the type of football and the nature of the results that we were getting yeah, definitely, and, and the performances and all the the, the messages yep. we've been getting. So, yeah, from the manager, I think it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a it's a big it's a big ball of kind of um, discussion points as we've kind of we've yeah. been through this yeah, season. Exactly. But even Brian, then he when he mentions that, he also goes on to mention that we have invested in the squad and talks about the six hundred k invested in the team. So, yeah, I, I think I think I don't think fans' expectation is, is I don't quite agree with him on that point. No, and you had, and also I should add, Ollie, you also had the manager talking about I'm coming in here to keep the good times rolling and we're yeah. going to aim for promotion. You know, those were things that he said at the start yeah. of the season. So why would Pran's expectations not be that? Do you know what I mean? If you feel to come in and cooled expectations, I think he did cool expectations somewhat. But I think we've talked about that first interview they did, Ollie, and you you still think to this day that they should have you know re-recorded that interview that they did live because he came across as nervous and some of the things he was saying were, were probably a little bit hyperbolic. Maybe I don't know, but you know, again, mistakes, little mistakes that were made by Askey that have probably played a part. In, in the way that fans sort of view him, I suppose. Yeah, the the first interview me was very underwhelming. Um, he came across to me as very nervous, and he seemed, yeah, he didn't seem very confident. Yeah. And as a as a as a in, you know in a man in a very you know he's not working in an office, he's working in a very unique environment, um, and I think you need to be a very strong leader um, and have a lot of conviction about yourself. Um, something that Paul Hurst had in abundance. 
Um, and yeah. you clearly got respect from the players. Um, and I think that's key in football, and that's different to a, a, you know, a normal work environment. I work, you know, I work for um, uh, you know, McVitie's and work in an office environment. Um, you, know, you need different skills in different, different environments. Yeah, and I would suggest that the environment at Maxfield is different to the environment at Shrewsbury as well. There is there is a step change between what his expectations and, and media relationships would have been there to what it would be at a League One club with a, with an expectant fan base. And, yeah. and I think maybe that he he maybe didn't consider that element of, of the job when he probably took the role on as much as he, he might have done because you know we, we've talked about it a lot, but the bridges could have been built and 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 yeah, I think it, it didn't help you know going forward from the start really, but. There we go. He, he did also say that Danny Coyne was going to take control for the next game. We've, we've previously discussed that and we hope he does well. Um, one of the interesting things I took from it, Ollie, was that I don't think that a new manager might be in the door tomorrow because no. he talked about how they got loads of grief off the fans for taking ages to get Paul Hurst in, to but it obviously you, worked. Uh, well, I don't know, <laughs> um, but it worked. And then they obviously maybe he indicated that they'd made a very quick judgment about um, ASCII and it didn't work. So he's saying, well, you know, the, the logic of that is the longer we take, the sort of better that decision will be. So potentially we might be waiting a week or two again, you know, to, to get a new manager in through the doors, Ollie. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think obviously it's good that the team, the management team um, take their time, though I mm. would suggest that you know, I'm sure you know, you'll hope that, and I would expect Brian to have been working on this for a while. Obviously, if he mentions they've been yeah. reviewing the situation, and um, and maybe that's why the betting potentially, um, as we'll come on to, is, is quite unique in terms of one manager, um, you know, the suspended betting. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. Um, and yeah, he said obviously, to, um, you know, people need to be patient. So it'll be interesting to see how that's how fine. that goes. And obviously, there'll be a lot of people talking about different names, and, and probably like Paul Hurst, it could be someone you know out of nowhere. Um, um, but yeah, we'll obviously trust the, trust the club to make that decision. I, th- I think it was interesting the, la- the latter two points that he made. I think it's a very and I would and I would in fact vindicate the, the you know time to be patient and let's get this right. You know we don't as long as it doesn't drag on too long. I suppose we we want to move on with the season and try and salvage from it. But yeah, it's definitely time for all of us to take a breath now. What's done is done with ASCII. You know my excitement, as I said, is returned. I'm looking forward to what the next little era will bring us. And I think that you know you've got to still trust Brian to, to get it right along with with the chairman. They've 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 had one good manager in, one manager that's not worked out. So it's fifty fifty and. Hopefully it slides the right side of that this time, and yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite chill about it at the moment, and, and I'm hoping that they they get the right man. That's all we want, isn't it? Really, but yeah, um, yeah that, that was that. And then the last thing was really, and this kind of sums up quite a, a, a sort of Brian's comments, and, and then a little bit about what what people have been saying online today. Because the one thing that's sort of become apparent from what happened at the the Meadow on Saturday was that quite a lot of our fans, and, and that's probably overgeneralising to say some of our older fans. I think that's unfair, actually. Uh, didn't really like the the way that fans had treated ASCII with the swearing at the end of the game. Um, and I can understand why people don't like that. It is a little bit uncouth or a little bit... Um, crass or maybe. I don't know. Crass is a great word, isn't it? Yeah. And and I'm and I'm not lying about it. I, I got involved in it. I was really angry at the end of that game. And I, and I, I just want, you know, I, you just get carried away with it when you're in the middle of a block of people chanting it. And that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to say on the podcast and I'll take the grief for it. But it, I also think that it's a bit myopic uh, to say that we're the only fans that have done that, or we've sort of spoiled our our reputation as a football club because all fans do it, you know. And, and I was talking to someone, and I won't say names on it, about 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 fans doing this, and he was saying, well, you know, I, I've got a relative that's an Everton fan, and they never do that. And I, I literally googled Everton fans telling someone to f off, and the first thing that came up was a massive video of an almost entire Everton end chanting f off um, Sam Allardyce when he was their manager. So I'm not going to have the, you know, yeah. fans are much worse than anyone else. You know, imagine what would be going on at Leeds. You know, imagine what would be happening at Millwall or even obviously Everton and any of these clubs. You know, Everton with this reputation of being a people's club and a nice club, even their fans 
fans do it. And every fan's got a breaking point. Um, and I, think I wanted to reflect that because... Yeah, go on, Ali. Yeah, I think it was something we spoke about before we started um, when we were chatting earlier on. Um, that for me, I think also is about how fans have the chance to communicate with the with the board. Um, yep. And you know, you can't. You know, you know, you know, on the Saturday, you're not going to start writing a letter to Brian um, or a letter to Ronald no. Richley to kind of express your views. You've got that kind of you've got that thirty seconds after the final whistle to kind of make your your point. And that's why I think booing is why you know a lot of fans resort to that because it's a it's something that's vocal and it's quite simple and people can get along with. So. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think you have to take the 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 style and the message um, that fans are given with a bit of a, a pinch of salt, um, because you know in terms of what what options that are available to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's fair, and, and, I, and I feel like the the general vibe is it's been it's been creeping up, and it just took that one bad result to happen, didn't it? As we said, and, and I say this whole thing because because there was a little bit of a pop at social media again in Brian's interview, sort of wound up by witters as usual, I suppose. But um, you know, and I can understand why they don't like it, and it's not nice for someone that they work with on a day to day basis. But at the end of the day, you know, people who work at the football club sometimes have to take a step back and think that you know these play, these fans didn't really have a connection with his manager, and it's harder to criticise a manager or be like that with a manager that wanted to have that connection. And, and had built it up over time and so in some respects I think again we've, we've just been alluding to a lot of this stuff but it was easier for France to be a little bit more vile and a little bit more nasty towards a manager when, when there wasn't really that connection that we've had with other managers even who've been poor do you know what I mean you know Jake King's team but let's put into context the vast majority of messages from Shrewsbury Town fans on social media is one of debate and discussion uh, Correct. It's yeah. not, you know, there's not like loads of, you know, vile pictures or, you know, signs oh being made or banners or anything like that. It's yeah. even a few comments. And yeah, I think we all get caught up in no, the passion I'm, again at times. Yeah, exactly. There's none of that stuff. There's, I haven't really seen anything too specifically vile to John Askey. I think the club have got a bit round up that people have been saying he's dull and that you know he's got no drive and he's not a very good football manager. Well, I'm sorry if you're getting upset about that stuff. Maybe you're not in the right game because you know if you go and if you go and do that job for Burnley, you know Matt Williams moved on to Burnley, didn't he, when he was our CEO mm-hmm. here? I imagine he's heard that and a, and a million times worse things about all range of players and staff at that football club. And it, you know, I don't. I honestly don't. If we if if Blue and Amber fans, you know, this podcast or Blue and Amber Message Board or the Facebook group, which gets a lot of grief as well, Ollie, to be honest yeah. with you, and Twitter, if those are a reflection of, of our fan base now, I don't think it's that bad, in all honesty. Um, so I, I, I think that maybe they need to take a step back because, to me, social media was a huge part of the journey last year about how well we did as a club. We, we unified, that drove on the good messages, the, the, the days that we ran and stuff. And so you can't have it, you can't have your cake, can you? Yeah. And, 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 and then also, not you want have it the to next remember season, the so. context of. Um, the results. Um, being an admin member of the Facebook group, when people have had a few beers on a Saturday night, <laughs> <laughs> the, the the tone of the messages certainly change. Um, so I think we yeah, I think we can close that topic. But yeah, I, think it's just worth it, I will close it by by saying it, it's it's interesting because it's always changed, hasn't it? You know, back in the day, fanzines became a thing. You know, in the eighties, and that changed fan culture. Then we had message boards, and that changed fan culture a little bit in terms of interaction and, and the way that fans interact. Now we moved into this social media thing with Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and it's evolved again. And I think that you know some people get stuck with that that level of cultural interaction that you sort of grew up with. But to me, you kind of have to move with the times a little bit. And some some people feel a little bit like they don't they don't get it or they don't understand it or they think it's some sort of thing that's that's an agenda driven. It's not. It's just people talking in the same way that people used to talk in the pub. But it was, but it was private, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's more open, if anything. Anyway, we've drowned on about that, but I thought it was very interesting because yeah. it was certainly something I picked up on today that I'm not really expected. So there we go. So yeah, so just to kind of close this section, um, we're just going to have a few kind of closing thoughts on ASCII. So, um, yep. we're, we'll try not to go over too much, um, too many points, but just to kind of have a bit of a summary. So for me, I think you know, um, ASCII's kind of um, kind of a summary for me would be, 
you know, I think his his you know his lack of leadership, his poor communications, and, and his, his tactics for me um, were kind of the undoing of of his reign. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think if he should have stuck to his convictions and his four three three. Um, yeah, and as we said, in the end, um, his, his results and the performances uh, were not good enough. But crucially mm-hmm. for me, I just couldn't see us improving. Yeah, nothing that's fair. I mean, for, for me, I, st- I stole a, a, a sort of said nice man, wrong job, which which might be a, f- a fair comment to be honest with you. I saw a line by a, a, a lad on called Giles on Facebook, which I'm going to steal here. But you know, he he put a, a view of that he never thought he was a Shrewsbury guy, and and that we we as a fan base actually expect someone with a little bit of charisma as much as people probably don't believe that too much. I think I tend to agree, and that he always felt he had a little bit of a touch of the Ken Browns about him, um, and that was before my time. But I think a lot of our old fans might understand what he's saying there, um, and I just think this something to that for me um but for me personally i just felt he was left wanting by his performances in results and um it was really that simple and as much as it's harsh I, I, we're a football club we're not a charity for nice old men unfortunately and we've had to be quite bold and brave to get rid of him now and, and let's move on and, and find the next person that can come in and actually do this job in a, in a little bit more of a consistent manner yeah i think that's a good point actually then um in terms of the club you know, he is early in the rain, and it is, and as you, the number of days um, that you mentioned at the start of the pod, it says, you know, it's a very, very short number of days. It's only 50 days yep. or so over Michael Jackson, who was a, in, in, yeah. in brackets, yeah. a temporary manager. So it is kind of, a, yep. and it's going to be interesting. Ant Thomas was saying the weekend, you know, is this, has the fans changed or is this a, a one off? And obviously, only time will tell. Um, Correct. So, yeah, yeah, so I think that was a, a good summary. But what my kind of my point was is that um, I think the club have been brave and made a decision. Um, now, do, yeah. um, and it's you know it's not an easy decision. I'm sure it can't have been nice for Brian and Roland um, to make this decision. But yeah, um, I respect them for making that decision. And yeah, as a club, we all need to come together now. And I look forward to yeah, I look forward to whoever the new manager is. Well said, Ollie. Well said. I think we'll, we'll leave that there, and we'll move on to the questions we've had today. Because as I say, we've had loads of questions, and it'd be good to attack a few of these. But the first question we've had off is uh, Pacific Shrew um, uh, on Twitter, and he asked. What would be a good season given where we are now? Not just league position, please. So, what, what are your expectations now between now and, and May? Um, definitely staying up. Um, <laughs> in terms of, <laughs> for me, that what would be a good season? So, I think a good season. Um, yeah, we could still salvage an FA Cup run if we could beat Salford. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Scott, we've got... we just had the draw, Ollie. We've got Scunthorpe at home in the next round so if we get really through. Exciting. So that's winnable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not exciting, but it's winnable, isn't it? Exactly. So maybe an FA Cup run, so that could be fun. Um, and for me, I guess, you know, what would be a good season? Maybe to blood a few young players. It'd be great to see like Ryan Sears come back and maybe get a few games. Um, and I think maybe, I don't know, not to complete, I think the season obviously is a write-off in terms of, you know, getting promoted or anything like that. Um, but for me, just to have some fun, have some, win some games um, and just have a bit of a laugh because it has been, I was really looking forward to Saturday. I've got to be honest, Glenn, I really wasn't looking forward to the football on Saturday. And, and now I am a bit more excited because, you know, there's a bit of, an, you know, it's, it's going to be different and it's going to be a different atmosphere. Um, so for me, I think there's, you know, I want to see some players make some progress. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the January transfer window as well to see, you know, um, what we could sign. I think I would completely agree with you, Ollie. I think that a, a good a good end for me now in this season would be to come somewhere above mid-table. You know, if we can we can be above there, not worrying about relegation with sort of six games to go, I, I'd count that as a good season, to be honest with you. And I don't think that's hard to achieve if, if the manager comes in and, and hits the ground running, really. So I think it's, it, there's exciting times to look forward to if we can get the right appointment. And um, I still think we could we could salvage one of our highest finishes in this division, other than last season, for, for a while. Obviously, yeah. we've only got to beat 16th, I think. So... Um, yeah, let's aim to do that. Let's aim to, to have a, a better season than where it's headed at the moment. So that's fine. Another question I saw was from uh, Kick Club. Um, 
He asked an interesting question. What can be done to repair the relation with the fan base and bring the generally positive vibe and spirit of last season or recent seasons back? Um, not just Hurst, obviously last season, but even under Mellon, the vibe was a bit different. And there's been a lot of chat about um, the manager and, and sorry, Asky and how he hadn't been doing too much in the community and obviously the, the other stuff. You know, what kind of things do we, we need to do, really? Obviously, we need to get a new manager in that everyone can get behind, but any ideas about what we could do, really, to kind of kickstart that positive vibe? Win some games. <laughs> it's really simple. <laughs> it is simple. It? It's so football is so simple in that aspect. Win some games and like let's have some fun. Just be nice. Like you know, one of the biggest enjoyment obviously of last season was just kind of you know just those kind of leaving the ground um, with a kind of an excitement of seeing some fun football. Um, and you know, I think you know, I think just having you know that the club have always had that good connection to the community um, I don't think that's going to go away with the work they're doing but I think just some having some players and having a, you know some some good goals and some and some fun and some winning some games I think is going to would change the whole um, atmosphere I think it's good to see um, players and um, and staff making connection I remember you talking about your son when he met the players and those things yeah, are, are you know are small but they're you know they're all building blocks to kind of you know that, that having a great relationship with the fans so good to see that as well yeah, I think I think that's fair. I'll come to what my kids think about it all in a minute. It's uh, I had a quick chat before they went to bed tonight, but I think that's good. I mean, we had a lot of questions, Ollie, um, you on did. Uh, sat up about what about the new manager. So I'm just looking through the Twitter account now, but I think we had one from uh, again from Kit Club. He asked a similar question from Shrewsbury Town Loyal on Twitter as well. Um, and from Peter Kindness as well on Twitter as well. And there was many more as well, so it's just a few names. But a lot of people were asking, who would you want to see as a new manager? What are your expectations? Who can we afford? Da, 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 da. And I think it's worth just going on to this now. So, um, yeah, I, I just mentioned the one tweet that we had off Kit Club. Um, so he put, um, given we've spent quite a lot, it's unlikely there won't be for funds forthcoming. And taking into account the squad we have currently, who would be your individual choices realistically for ASCII's replacement? I'm going to come to that at the very end of this section, Ollie, and we'll come back to that question. So... As I mentioned, early odds from Skybet came out during the day, um, and interesting that they were as well. Now, this is just them making a punt, isn't it, really? You know, sometimes the bookies get a little bit of an inside steer, sometimes they're judging it off social media, and, and so most of the time they're judging it off the money that they take from fans, aren't they? Yeah. Um, that's the best, best steer to the odds that they came out. But they initially put their odds out, and Gary Bowie was installed straight away as, as a favourite, and then after about five minutes, they closed it. They, they shut it down for a minute, they suspended the betting, because clearly loads of town fans had gone to lump a load of money on, on the expectation that they'd heard things. Um, but he's well open now the, the market's opened back up for him and he's currently at 5-6 to six as our favourite um, with Paul Hurst's second favourite at 11-8 to eight. and then to be honest with you outside of that everyone else is 12-1 to one or, or, or further out so if you take the bookies on, on face value Gary Bowie or Paul Hurst really which is interesting so I mean what do you know about Gary Bowie or Ollie? Manager obviously of two clubs at difficult times Blackburn Rovers and Blackpool um, decent-ish win percentage since he had theme yeah. of our pods this season. Um, but what he did, again, almost a bit like asking in some ways, what he did at Blackpool, getting them promoted at League Two, um, was nothing short of a miracle. Um, yeah, with all the good. antics and stuff that are going on um, at, that cl- at that club. Um, so for me, I think it'd be great to give him the opportunity. You know, Shrewsbury's a good job, as you mentioned. You know, we've got the training ground, we've got a good squad here, a fantastic stadium, um, a great setup. So I think for me, Gary Bowyer would be a great option. I don't really know much about him in terms of his playing style and you know how he, how no, he handles me. himself. So, but obviously, he's managed at a bigger level, a higher level. 
And so for me, he's been my favourite. One positive, Ollie, is that he managed to get Carl Vassell to be able to score goals, which is a, frankly a remarkable <laughs> achievement. So, <laughs> so he might, he might even... He two miracles, getting him up and getting Yeah, them. he might even be able to get the shot to score a goal every now and again. You never know. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's clearly installed as our favourite and there's a lot of rumours and bits and pieces doing the rounds with, with fans that we've sounded him out. Who knows whether that's true or not, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I, I would be more than happy with him to have a crack, to be honest with you. I just want someone with a bit of League One experience and he, and he fits that bill, really, doesn't he? But obviously, the, the, the other sort of almost co-favourite a little bit further out is Paul Hurst and I suppose this is the big one to discuss Ollie is um, is is there a way back and before I get your view on that I you know I did a poll today as soon as Askey gone just asking you know what do, do people want him back you know would people be happy with him back and at the moment that poll sits at 61% would actually have him back which considering what we talked about at the end of last season and how angry everyone he was I'm, I'm pretty surprised by that time's a healer yeah true and true. I think um, yeah I think a bit of time for reflection, realizing what a great job he did. Uh, I think it was obviously left him a bit of a cloud. We don't obviously know yeah, the real facts around all that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think just the, the good times and the memories have kind of come back to people's um, kind of thoughts. Um, and I think it's uh, obviously we've had Paul. Her- Paul Hurst hasn't gone away all season. He's been mentioned virtually on a daily basis on um, Blue and Amber and Facebook, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. And I suppose the question for me and you then, as it's our podcast, is. Could you could you handle him coming back? Would you would you be able to give, forgive and forget, Ollie? Oh yeah, I'd definitely forgive and forget, um, and I would be I'd be fairly <laughs> happy if he came back. I would rather we didn't. I think there's enough managers out there. Um, mm, I think yeah. if he came back, we would always be thinking, when is he going to go again? Um, because he's got yeah, no connection true. to the club, apart from his tenure before, um, and he's an ambitious bloke. So, and I I obviously don't know him. I have no idea what his thoughts are, but I imagine he'd probably want something fresh. Uh, and obviously, yeah. you'd have to start again with, with the squad that he inherits. And for me, I think it would just be you know kind of Groundhog Day in terms of starting over again. Um, so, while I would be happy with Paul Hurst, I just don't see it happening. I, I agree with you. I'd, be, I'd need more convincing for him to come back anyway. But you know, he is the best manager we've had a living memory. But he left under a cloud, as you say. But I think that he'd have to come back and uh, on his hands and knees and beg Roland for that job back. I. I, I there's absolutely no way. If if sixty percent of fans want him back, and Roland's a fan, he's in the forty percent. He's he's not going to want him back at this football club. And it's not bad enough that it's it needs emergency situations to get fans back on side. There's as you say, there's plenty of managers there that people could get behind. So that's interesting. I thought I'd run just through the rest of it because this shows you what bookies are all about, and it's a bit odd. The, the, the third favourite's Paul Heckingbottom, who managed Barnsley and Leeds and had an awful record with them, probably winning like similar twenty percent odd games as um, Askey did. So. Not too sure about that one. Paul Clement is fourteen to one, which is pretty weird considering he's currently the manager of Reading. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what the bookies no, know about odd. Paul Clement, but that, that's really weird. And he's he's more of a favourite than most of the sort of usual out of job managers. So Darren Ferguson, eighteen to one. He's eight to one on an article I saw. Yeah, weird. Ian Holloway is eighteen to one, um, but for me, I think he's probably too big for us, isn't he? Surely, to be honest with you, and I think you put him in the probably in the Mick McCarthy category of managers that are a little bit too big to come to us, aren't they? Neil Ardley's eighteen to one. Obviously, got sacked today from Wimbledon. I think that'd probably be a backwards step, Ollie. Um, and then the rest, you've got Gareth Ainsworth and Steve Cotterill at twenty to one. Um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank also at twenty to one. Kevin Nolan at twenty two to one. Craig Bellamy and Lee Clark at twenty five to one. And Michael Flynn, the Newport manager, who's having a good time of it at twenty five to one. So. Yeah, I mean, is there any? I've got another name that you throw in the mix there, which is Mark Warburton, who's who's had a good record at a few clubs and is out of, without a job at the moment. But anyone else really that you've got you could throw in there or you've heard about, or is that you know you, you think there'll be someone on, not on that list that might be highly yeah, considered? I think I'd go for the latter. I think it'd be someone maybe like Paul Hurst come out of nowhere, 
um, with a, mm-hmm. with a you know when you when you read Paul's Hurst's CV, you were like, okay, he started there, yeah, he moved on, he's had success, and you know he had a very very solid background. I think interesting actually, you know, one of the difference between Paul yep. Hurst and Askey was you know Askey was a one club man, and I think Paul Hurst probably really benefited going into a new club having to make changes, having to kind of impose himself. And I think having that experience, I think, is key. So, you know, all those names there um, are quite funny. I wouldn't mind Mick McCarthy. That would be quite funny if we got him after all the, the stuff of Ipswich fans. I think that would be quite funny. Um, <laughs> but I have no idea, no idea who it's going to be. I think Gary Bowie, for me, is my number one choice. Um, but our number one choice last time um, yeah, is so, now too. the currently manager of Portsmouth, so it doesn't always work out. So... No idea who yeah. we're going to get. Um, and the Paul Hurst one for me has always made me a bit wary to kind of make any big statements because, yeah, I just don't think, you know, there's so many football clubs. Um, I think it's just it's virtually impossible for us to really kind of have a, a good grasp of, you know, who's the up-and-coming managers. I'd never heard of Paul Hurst as a manager, um, if I'm honest, um, when we took him on. Um, was... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at play, you probably go to look at... Um... Uh, managers that are doing well in the conference this season, and uh, yeah, or, or managers that are doing well. Brexit managers yeah, doing Mellon's very well. Doing all right, isn't he? Maybe we'll get him back as well. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who knows? You're right. It could it could be anyone, couldn't it? I suspect, though. I mean, my final thing on this is, I, I you know for a fact that the one character trait that um, that Roland will be looking for when he he applies for for the next manager will be loyalty. I think, and I think that's what he wanted out of Askey, and he knew he was going to get loyalty, but. It's interesting that maybe he's he, when he went for the manager in the summer, he's gone for the loyal appointment, and actually it's ended up with the football club sacking him really early into his reign, showing you know potentially a lack of loyalty. So maybe maybe that that maybe the way that we're looking at managers has slightly changed because of what we've learned about Askey, or they'll, they'll stick with the approach they've gone with of trying to bring managers up, or they might bite the bullet and finally go for someone that's had experience at this level. It's it's interesting to know how it'll go, but I think we'll probably leave that early because we'll definitely get another crack at this question um, probably on Sunday because no, I, I doubt we'll have a new manager for Rochdale. On Sunday we won't. We I'd be very surprised if we had a manager by then yeah oh well and there we go that's that's a nice way to end today I suppose is uh, looking forward to the future and uh Sort of summing it up, really, and and uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting day. I think it's 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 always a sad day in some respects for a manager to move on. But as I said, I'm I'm quite strong that I think it's the best thing for our football club. So I'm not as as worried and upset about it as some people have been today. But yeah, let's let's leave it at the, at the positive, I suppose, and say we wish John Askey all the best, don't we, in the future? And I'm sure he probably will get another job now, whether it's Macclesfield or somewhere else. And you know, he might go on to, to do good things somewhere else. And you, you no, don't wish no, them no, any no, harm going forward. Good luck to the bloke. Um, good luck to Brian and Roland in their recruitment. And um, yeah, obviously it's important now, the fans, we kind of close this chapter now, this book. Um, and yeah, we kind of come together and support the team. Um, the team need our support on Saturday. Um, obviously the game on Tuesday as well, but Saturday against Rochdale's key. And I think it's really important that we back Danny Coyle and the players. Um, be interesting to see what role Matt Sadler plays, whether he supports him. Yeah, um, yeah. That's an interesting one. So be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, they, talk, they talked about Eric Ramsey supporting him, didn't they? So maybe it's more more... That Sads will sort of focus on playing, and I don't, you know, whether he applies to be a player manager, I don't know. That could be another option. You've also got, you know, Dave Edwards not really playing too much that might fancy a, yeah. a change of career. There's there's so many options, isn't there? It's going to be sort of crazy season for the next week or so in, in the names that get bandied around. I remember <laughs> back odd. in the day, Robbie Farrell's name always used to get linked to the job at Shrewsbury. No, no reason why. No, no, no understanding of any reason why. But um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be some quite crazy names linked, and uh, there might be some that are quite exciting. There might be some that are horrific. So we'll have to play it by ear. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. We, we've obviously had two podcasts in a row, so we appreciate the support. And, and for those guys who've managed to listen all the way through to both of them, and um, we will be back on Sunday. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, Danny Coyne has, has turned things around, and we, we can have a bit more of a smile on our face, Ollie. Right, I better go and talk to my wife now. It's been two days. All right, see you later, Ollie. Bye.